Jamie here. Just a quick warning that some people might find today's topic of suicide a bit distressing. If this is you, please keep yourself safe and turn it off if you need to. Tune back in next week when we go a bit lighter in our content. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to It's All Talk, the podcast that discusses everything from mom's life and mental health to the latest trends in the beauty and wellness industries. We are best friends and business partners who have a dream of inspiring and motivating as many people as possible to live their very best lives. We're your hosts, Jamie Forster, Sally Coles Robertson, and Emma Whiteside. So welcome to It's All Talk. Good morning. Hey, Anne, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Are you? Yeah. It's only been two days since I saw you, but it seems like ages ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I always love getting together, like to record. It's all good chance for us to have a catch up and um, before or after, but Mm. we're all very busy this week, aren't we? And we've got so much. Mm going on and uh, such an agenda between the three of us it's incredible I know so, and I had last week off so I'm feeling a little bit so I feel a little bit sl- you know sluggish today it's probably yeah. too, probably too relaxed for my diary <laughs> That's for what, sure. what was the um I was up in in the in Lake Windermere yesterday what was it like in Cheshire the weather yesterday it was lovely. It, oh was it did it go mm. nice because it was cloudy and a bit miss when I left in the morning and um, didn't get back till quite late and uh yeah here we're very British talking about the weather on a Monday yeah. morning <laughs> today is really beautiful I've just dropped my daughter off at residential I think oh. maybe that's probably why I'm feeling a little bit gloomy it's hard to let go of your babies where where's she, she gone uh she just went to Northamptonshire just for like, like a residential with break with school and it was really, three days yeah yeah Yeah. it's their last it's their last trip together isn't it because they're this is a last year primary school and actually they've really lost out this last year haven't they all the children have lost out so for them to be able to go on this trip is a real real treat for them but I think everybody's feeling a little bit scared because we haven't been apart for 18 months yeah do you know what I mean because they would have done more things out of the house but it's because we've been so because we've been isolated for most of that time yeah so yeah she was a little bit apprehensive but it was good she went in all right and she's gonna she's forgotten about it already once she started feeling the buzz of all the other people and it leaves us devastated doesn't it as mothers I did manage to hold it together until I got to the gate gate of the school and there was there was other parents like yeah we've got the week off and I'm like god oh I was like crying I we just turned right Alan and I just like bolted the other way because I was like Oh, it's probably been your your um, angst as well, building up over the few days, isn't it? Knowing, I mean, you don't forget you're always the the counselor, and and you're still human, and you still have the six human needs as us all. So you're still gonna need 
the reassurance from from us even or your friends yeah. to say even though you you know some of your mums are, are like oh yeah great week off but oh <laughs> my gosh it's devastating when they leave you isn't it and I think it is can I just ask you a question about you know when when the children were when Molly was little as well um and you dropped her off at nursery or wherever what was she like what I mean I can, we can compare between boys and girls but I know Isla was probably the worst at being fed she went on to hunger strike and but the boys were crying a bit more crying yeah, Molly was very, very clingy. Um, wouldn't even even with family, she um, would get extremely upset. Nursery, well, it was like little play school. Tommy thumbs. She would just cry mm. every single time. Mm. So consequently, the summer before she started school, I I literally made myself ill with worry oh. that she was going to be like that every day at school. But she was absolutely fine when she went. It was very, very strange. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, they do put you through it, don't they? Yeah. These children. My, my babies have always been really confident to go into things like that. They've always been okay. I think Reagan had a wobble. Her the Christmas of reception year, she decided suddenly she was going to start crying when she was going into school, and it was like, what the heck? Because she hadn't never she'd never done that before. Yeah. Uh, but it only lasted a few months, and then she was fine. And had she seen, do you think like, you know, because my, the boys were so different, um, but do you think sometimes as well, it can be a little bit of peer pressure when they see other children do things. I mean, not necessarily for our children particularly, but, but, but in terms of, I mean, what we're going to be talking about today is going to be a very serious subject. And I think mm. that, you know, we have to look at what's going on in society, which is, is, will beautifully lead us into what you know our subject today which is all about suicide prevention and what our thoughts are but but sometimes the peer pressure of them seeing and hearing and watching others do things what does it do to the psyche to enable them to follow suit and I don't have any evidence of that in terms of our subject today but you know the statistics are certainly rising but my point is is where do they where do we start? What triggers to, for them to start doing things that their peers do? Oh, I see do? what you mean. That's the point I'm trying I, to get yeah. that. I was going to, because I think when they're that little, you know, I think it's developmental more than any yeah. pressure when they're four, you know, um, I think they're more, well, I think they're quite influenced by their families at that point. When does it tip over where they start, you know, you, you can see that, can't you? It's sort of year five. It's, I think it's sort of 10 is when they become really like aware of children around them some are younger obviously everybody's different one day but I, I certainly noticed with my own children and the children I work with that it's that year year four kinds of starts to tip over when they're sort of nine right they're still like quite happy with themselves but they're starting to but year sort of five where they're like 10 and then year six when they're 11 they certainly are very interested in what everybody else is doing around them aren't they mm, mm. Right. oh gosh I know and so, as, as, yeah. soon, as far as taking their like the the topic today was suicide prevention and actually I know it when we were preparing for it there was a little bit like oh gosh do we want to talk about this but it doesn't have to be this big taboo kind of scary thing like no. you know I think suicide is a, a really scary word it's a really scary act you know it's something that I think we're all sort of afraid of because it's just so sad but but I think 
talking about it is key and understand and no, normalizing those feelings be, you know it's it's not it's it's a pretty normal thing if you're experiencing something really difficult to have the thought maybe i'd be better off gone do you know what i mean so i, I think yeah. i think separating the act of suicide and the thought of taking your own life is an important distinction it's a yeah, very, very tr tricky subject, isn't it? And, and, and uh, you know, I was uh, a few years ago, was um, just on away on holiday and just arrived to our destination and learned that my godson's uh, had taken, one of my, my godson had taken his own life and it was devastating. And I chose not to mention it to anybody over the weekend because I didn't want it to, to upset because I was just devastated. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get home. I couldn't wait to get to my friend, my best friend. Um, and it was just awful, um, which prompted me to go on to do um, a prevention course with Papyrus, all about suicide prevention. And that's where I actually learned. And, and this is where it, it, it frightens me in a way that I still feel a bit afraid to put people right when they say that, you know, like it's a selfish thing to do when someone's taken their own life. It's an act of it's selfish. But but it's there's some trauma, terrible traumas that go along and, and you know, re, be why reason the reason why people do it. And I think, you know, the law did actually change in 1961. And I learned this, that it no longer is um, a commit a commit like a crime the law changed yeah. so it's it's now you know we have to change our dialogue in terms of committing suicide is now somebody taking their own life mm -hmm. you know it's it's it's, it's not as illegal to do that and um but oh my god no, and it's such a difficult thing isn't it i think when we were studying um when, when we were studying it was often the topic yeah um how can you how can you I'm using air quotes here, manage suicidal clients, or what do you do if somebody is sat in front of you that is considering taking their own life? And how, how do you work with that? And there was always this, this age old question, do you break confidentiality immediately? I thought if I, if I broke confidentiality and called the GP every time somebody mentioned to me that they were considering taking their own life or had made a thought about it, I would be on the phone. You know what I mean? It would be something it's, it's, it's just a thought, isn't it? But yeah. I think it's, it's there's such a big taboo right about talking about suicide that it really makes it harder for people who are feeling that way to reach out and get help because there's something like painted with this you know or tarred and feathered do you know what I mean they're painted with this view that they are they don't have it together that they're seriously mentally ill when when that's not really that's not the reality mm -hmm. A lot of food for thought, hey. And um, so, what sort of things did you cover in your psychology, Jamie? What what sort of what happens when? And it's a bit of a tricky question. I don't mean what happens, but how much do you spend on learning about about suicide and what goes on with the brain and stuff? Probably not. Not as much as you think. It's it's more no. about that. So it's more about working, managing the the sensations and the feelings that lead up to that. Do you know what I mean? Um, establishing that link between sort of depression. When does depression start turning into that? When does the hopelessness kick in? The, the, I think I would be more frightened talking to a suicidal client that was also hopeless because if there's if they don't have any hope, 
it's very difficult to work with that because how can you make how can we how can we look forward into the future like things will be better when if they're they've got no hope that things will ever get better so that's that's so i think working with the the feelings that lead up to that is probably what we spent more time on mm. yeah Gosh, it's it's a very deep conversation, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And and I think that um, you know, what the, on the course that we went on, it was all to, to learn how to be a first responder, and um, you know, it was great. It was sad, uh, and, and it, what what became apparent from us all was that we'd all had every single one of us on the course had either been with somebody or had a personal experience of. The word suicide that was what the question was and we had to spend quite some time in, in in groups talking about our own experiences in order to be able to um you know sort of not regurgitate but get those feelings or or um examples back up into the forefront to be able to talk about it and it was really quite um frightening you know and I, I, I don't mind sharing my own experience from when I was 25 52 now and you know had an awful awful experience and you know those thoughts come in, you know did actually come into my head and and I knew how I was going to do what I was going to do and you know and if, if it hadn't have been from you know being able to talk to somebody it was just talking therapy because I felt mm. so useless and hopeless and uh you know, and so when when my godson, you know, went from us, sadly, um, it also made triggered, you know, triggered us to go and learn a little bit more about what happens. And and indeed, in our industry, Jamie, hand, hats off to you with what you do with work. But even in, in our industry, we sometimes are first responders before we even realise, you know, and we, dis, we, we detect when people's yeah. moods are low and yeah. they say things that are a little bit out of character and yeah I sort of well with my line of work it's a little bit differently it's a little bit different because it's a bit dangerous to jump directly into crisis management when it's yeah. you know when it's when yeah. it's really about sort of establishing a rapport and exploring really gently their sort of feelings trying to establish if they've got a plan in place yeah or are they just feeling so low that they feel like the world would be better off without them and exploring what that means to them you know more than it is like trying to jump into kind of crisis mode it's it's just being really sort of gentle and just listening and taking them seriously and take taking their feelings seriously and giving people time to be able to to talk about those things really you know in their own pace and, and without judgment and that's that's the thing when we were when we were studying it's ever because people have such strong beliefs about what they how they feel about suicide especially if you've been touched by it um do you know what I mean but but as a counselor it's not my place to judge somebody else for having those thoughts do you know what I mean because I I I have to have the stance that you make the best decisions for your own life do you know I mean I, I have to enter therapy like that because if I enter therapy as the expert in your life that would be yeah. terrible that would make that's a terrible yeah. counselor isn't it so really I, I can't I have to lay all those judgments aside and you asked did we study suicide but I think we studied that more we sort of explored that more how do we, how can we leave our own feelings at the door especially if you've been touched by suicide or if you've experienced um, that in your own family or with a friend or if, if you yourself have experienced suicidal thoughts in the past what did you do with those ideologies did you have an attempt in the past and what, what do you do with that when you're walking into the counseling space 
Yeah, I suppose mm-hmm. you've got to put all your own personal feelings to one side, haven't you? And yeah. concentrate on your client and yeah, and giving them the space to be able to speak about how they're yeah. feeling. And because they have a right to speak about how they're feeling without yeah. without the fear that I'm going to pick up the phone and call nine and nine and say this, you know take this person away what you know that's not the way it works but I think that's probably the fear that people have when they come into the room Mm. and I think that's such a great subject to talk about that statement that you've just made Jamie for everyone that's listening to to our podcast is the fact that they're safe in a safe place and that's really important isn't it but not everybody can offer that safe space and that's also no no do you know to to help somebody get the support that they need because I've also trained for a long, long time about mm-hmm. how to not not take on their hopelessness. So if you if you're not trained and you're sitting with somebody who's feeling like this, they they might walk away feeling a bit better, and you're going to be left with all of that. And if you're not trained on how to manage those own feelings, that sort of you're experiencing that transference, and that's that's a pretty dangerous place to be as well. So I think mm. what's important is to listen, to get, take them seriously, try not to be judgmental and try to gently sort of encourage them to get the support where they can, that that professional support. Yeah. I I just, what what just has just sprung to my mind, you know, I've worked very much in images and pictures and I know it's, you know, when when we, we, we do touch on biblical things in our podcasts, for those that do follow a faith and uh, I think even though with with the on the resurrection even on, on the on the death of Christ at the at the bottom of the cross there's Mary you know there like till the last minute you know sort of supporting her son and it's just seeing as well like my, my where I'm going with this is the the image but the devastation of of what's left behind as well often um you know uh and and witnessing that I mean some some of us may have witnessed that with with either clients or friends or family or you know and it's it just is uh, such a a difficult subject to raise but like you say you know we have to we have to talk about it mm. because it just we it then helps us help others doesn't it and yeah I, I think that that's the saddest part is the devastation it leaves behind yeah it's the people that are left of of several people in my life have experienced that and and they're changed you know and it's very easy to be changed and and not a positive way you know you can turn your pain into your provision and you you can be better for that but that process is painful and and Mm. quite vicious really I'm thinking about a person and God bless her in my head I'll not disclose who she is or anything like that but her own experience of losing a child suicide and, and how she's been able to manage that is is truly inspiring but it can easily go that other way can't it yeah yeah easily I don't know if I could tolerate you know I, I think that losing a child in general is I can't even be I probably not the day for me to be to thinking about that to be quite honest with you but so yeah. her, her experience and watching that that period of growth for her over the last several years has been it's been humbling to, to say the least do you so think what... on, sorry I was just going to ask you Jamie do you think through the the pandemic um numbers have risen I think with, 
with suicide? I think through the pandemic, I had more experience with people coming to me with suicidal ideologies than I've ever had before. And mm. it seemed like every single week, somebody was getting in touch saying that they were, you know, and it, it got really intense for a while there. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that was not having access to the coping mechanisms. You know, we didn't have access to those things that make us feel better. So you're just left in your house by yourself, ruminating yeah. and just being sat with those thoughts. There's no distraction. There's no, you don't have access to those things. So I think that, I think it was a very, it was a recipe for disaster to be fair. That's why I can't, I can't imagine they can ever lock us down again because the effects it had on people's mental health at the end yeah. there, I was like, surely the risks of being out and, you know, out, surely the risks of being left in outweigh the risks of going out because what I was seeing in the counseling space was tremendous I've, I've never seen anything like that I'm and speaking to my colleagues about how they were affected you know it was it was stressful <laughs> it was yeah. very very difficult yeah. time for people wow. there has been an increase hasn't there over the last 12 months in in the statistics in England and Wales I only speak for that not not Scotland um, but then again, it's down to the, you know, the different, um, the coroner's standard of proof about whether people have taken their own lives or whether it's been something that um, has been an illness in the pipeline. So then that gets into, I guess, another subject of whether it could be a bit of euthanasia even. You know, there's, there's all sorts of subjects that go along mm. with suicide. And I think that you know, um, but, my, you know, going those back different. to earlier, Those are very talk, different, though. Yeah. Absolutely, massively different. But then, you know, massively different. But then if somebody's been, like, suicidal for a very, very long time and can't cope with that anymore, it, it's it's just such a bizarre subject, isn't it? And mm. uh, still very taboo. And this is what we said right from the onset of our coming on our podcast. There would be times when we are going to hit things that and, and discuss things that might be a little bit awful to hear and awful to say. And I think that we, we this is, you know, we, we've got to talk honestly and open. And uh, and that and I want to say you're talking about the COVID and, and actually a lots lots of the statistics and you can go on the Samaritan site for that say that there has not the the rates of self harm have sort of stayed stable throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now it's the, those thoughts are different than attempts. Do you know what I mean? So are yes, people more yes, at risk of having absolutely. those thoughts? I, you know yeah it seems to be in my own practice it seemed to be um but overall the I think what I think the last statistic I read said there was an increase you know to, from like eight to like 15 percent or something like that mm. so you know but yeah but then we, we don't forget guys we haven't got the statistics evidently like we have now from years and years ago in different um you know like the war and situations of what went on then you know it's only now with technology that we can measure as, as effectively as we possibly can never before have we had that have we so in all due respect it might not have changed massively we've got no evidence of that from yeah. um well back in back in all the you know the the, the devastations that have um, had over the many years ago i think um, the biggest increase that we saw with people having suicidal ideologies was um people aged sort of 16 to 28 
And if yeah. you're looking at how important those social structures are to the people in that age group, how, you know, look at your own children who are that age and, and how important it is for them to have their friends nearby and to be able to go do things. So I think they, they were probably very, very impacted mm. by mm. all those things, but it's, com- it's big, complicated. Oh, it is, isn't it? Area, isn't it? <laughs> What's the, what I'm, I just, you know, obviously I, I, we, we will be finishing soon and I could talk, we could always say this every week, don't we, we could carry on talking for ages, but I think, you know, there's, there's different um, songs that come to my mind. I always think about pictures and songs when we're talking of what, what songs about, um, I can't think of the, the, the person that wrote that song about suicide is, oh, do you help me out guys? Can't remember. <laughs> suicide is don't know never mind not sh- i don't know that song really sure. I, know. <laughs> I know i'm like i don't know but <laughs> you know, i tell you who will know because what you know in our next i think it's either next week or the week after we are playing we're going to be playing name that tune yeah. so maybe oh. we'll have to get one of your uh partners on who is brilliant with um naming tunes mm. i know one in particular yeah I don't know do you think we should finish off today we're sort of thinking about different ways that you can help somebody who you feel might be suffering or somebody Mm. in your life that you might be worried about do you think that might be important absolutely yeah I do yeah I think I think that the most important thing is that if you're worried about somebody if you are worried that you watch somebody that you love declining that you you've got to ask them Mm-hmm. and talk about them like like you know I mean pick up the pick up the phone and just say I'm thinking about you how are you doing you don't have to be I nearly oh that was really rude of me I nearly said you don't need to be too British and be worried about sort of impeding on them do you know what I mean but pick up a, fr- a phone and say how are you doing you know I'm mm-hmm. thinking about you are you doing okay you know listen to your mm-hmm. friends and if you see mm-hmm. somebody declining reach out you're not being rude by asking somebody if they're doing okay you know maybe that's the maybe that's you're the one person that they we're waiting for or maybe you're the only one that asked them so I think that's really important I think a small gesture is about saying saying hello to people asking people how they're doing but then actually wanting to stop and listen to the response absolutely that's the key thing isn't it not <laughs> just asking but just giving them some time yeah mm. how you doing and then walking away why do you do that that doesn't make any mm. sense to me so how are you doing and then everybody always says fine 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 you know they could be crying you know skinned knees devastated you could ask somebody at the funeral how are you doing this oh I'm fine thanks I'm okay I'm okay you know but I and, think- and, and quite often I'll, I'll then say now right how are you really doing yeah. <laughs> let's cut the rubbish yeah. you know because that's yeah. usually then the the the, the, the chance yeah. to give them that space to talk yeah and then following up do you mean or if if somebody says oh I'm doing you know I'm doing okay but they're kind of that little inflection at the end suggesting that maybe they're not maybe follow that up with a phone call or something you know what I mean like it doesn't take a lot to be kind and just to reach out to people on the other side so that's it and then then if somebody is in crisis you know get them in touch with the mental health services or that that they can you know there's places Cheshire East and Cheshire West have phone numbers um you know for and I know that the the crisis teams are busy and sometimes there's a waiting list and I get that they don't always get things right but these are these are the things that are in place to help people so calling those numbers um knowing that the Samaritans are there Mm. you know 
And then once you're supporting somebody, reaching out and helping them, listening to people, putting them in contact with somebody, then it's and then understanding at that point, it's their responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not I'm talking about adults here, I'm not talking about children, but it's it is not your responsibility to force somebody else to get help that you think that they need. Yeah, you can open yourself up to somebody and you can you can find them the support, but they have to be the ones to take that step. Mm. Yeah. And if they don't, that's not your fault. Mm-mm. That's not your fault at all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then I think the important thing is when once you're once you're talking to somebody who might be having those kinds of thoughts, once once you've been able to sort of put that situation to right, I think it's really important to understand that that's going to have an impact on you and you have to look for your own support at that point. Yeah, I think, you know, we've touched definite with the councils and things like that, but not to mention that there is papyrus as well, which is uh, suicide prevention um, for young suicide. And that's obviously spelt P-A-P-Y-R-U-S, papyrus for those that want to go on and have a look at their website. And if you've got experience that, you know, you feel like you want to get involved in helping volunteer or, you know, they're always open for for more volunteers, for Samaritans especially as well. So, um, you know, you can- Samaritan training is amazing. Yes, yeah, so. um, So you've got the Rethink Mental Illness website. Um, you've got mm. Mind UK. That is an excellent website for mm. informing yourself. They they have such excellent explanations about different sort of mental health problems, um, and in a way that's very 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 easy to understand. So that's an excellent source of information as well. The Mind website. Mm. I'm glad we spoke oh, about dear. this today. It doesn't know, have to be we, we, scary. Oh. I know, but we're doing the right thing, guys. Definitely. But I, I genuinely hope that we didn't offend anybody along this way. And I just want to say, if we have said anything to you that strikes a chord with you, or if you've experienced suicide in the past with somebody that you love, you know, just know that we, we were speaking from our hearts uh, from a place of trying to help people. And if we didn't get something quite right, it, it sincerely was, was not not intended to hurt anybody here. So yeah. we, we yeah. tried to use information that we could find that was accurate. You know, it's from my own clinical work. So I just wanted to say to anybody who's listening that's feeling particularly triggered that, mm. yeah, I just wanted to give that disclaimer. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm always so worried about that by, by talking I about know. these things. It's so important, isn't it? But equally, yeah. I don't want somebody to be like, oh, I'm going to listen to this fun little podcast. They were talking about uh, trips to the zoo last week. And then this week, they're like, so if you know anybody that's that's considering taking their own life and then they're triggered by that because of something they're experiencing in their own life, I'm very concerned about that. But, but also, on the other hand as well, that we've all trained in bits of fobs that we need, you know, we do have everything that we've talked about today mm-hmm. is our, you know, certification in um you know we know what we've we've talked about what we've learned and gone away ourselves to go and learn yeah so um yeah okay so guys um off to the sunshine oh that's it yeah i think i'm gonna go do a bit of self-care after this one i think i'm gonna go yes yeah i might go for a walk and just clear my head and sing 
and a swim and a swim hey yeah let's think about let's think about next week's podcast you know what Sally that was last year or last week we went swimming didn't we and I felt so good after that Emma you've you've got to just suck it up and come with us it's just not really an option anymore like it wasn't even that cold (laughs) I'm not bothered about it being cold it's like 15 degrees it's fine what is it that doesn't that doesn't bother me what bothers you I, I just don't like water. <laughs> we'll tow like you water. in a posh boat, Emma, that you can't fall out of. We'll tow you in a carriage for a queen. I that did. You can't I did fall out of, and that you'd be safe. I did price some boats, some inflatable boats. I did. did really? Go on. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, it might I'm be my next purchase. Did not a lot for uh, two hundred quid, two hundred and thirty quid for a five-person inflatable. Yeah, or like a five-person inflatable one. Woohoo! Woohoo! That might be my next purchase. <laughs> oh, excellent. So well, we'll drag you, we'll swim in front of the boat, and you can lie there like the Queen of England. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Sally and I will be your swim horses in front of you. <laughs> you are our Queen of Hearts, Em. <laughs> I'm not being a wuss. There are reasons why I don't like the water. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just being... A baby. No, we we'll, have, that. we'll have to do a podcast about facing your fears, facing mm. our fears. That would be a good. Yes, one, definitely. That would be a good one. Right now, what is it next week? Uh, well, it's um, name, name that, that tune. tune. Oh, <laughs> name that tune. So we may have to do some singing and humming. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just talk about knowing that tune. It could mean anything. You never know with our conversations how they'll go from one thing and jump to the next, and then about yeah, we know. I'm pretty sure my singing would be would not lead to any copyright infringements because it would probably sound nothing like the original song. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm out of here, girls. Yeah, bye, everybody. Later. Bye. We thank you so much for listening and supporting us here at It's All Talk. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also pop over to our fast-growing Facebook group or find us on Instagram by searching It's All Talk, the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Take care.